Good morning. Um, since last week, I, I kind of have a little bit of the same feeling every year uh, around this time. How, how, do you, how do you step um, even one week from Easter um, with just, man, I mean, the enthusiasm and the power and the promise and the hope, uh, the living hope that we've been talking about for a number of weeks now? How, how do you, you kind of follow Easter? Um, and and the the beauty of it is is I was uh, we we got back from the beach uh, late yesterday. I came up here last night and was was loading sermon slides and um, just took a minute to make that little video because just as as it said, um, you know, Easter proclaimed that Jesus is alive. I mean, that's what we really celebrated last week. And I think as we as we live our as we live our life in Christ, um, it's easy to kind of latch onto certain ideas, and I think for certain reasons like. Um, this idea that we're waiting on God to do something new. And, and I think we need to be reminded sometimes what, what really is happening. Um, if God does something, many times for us, it's a new experience because we have a sin nature and we haven't experienced the kind of freedom that, we, that really exists in Christ. Maybe we are experiencing it for the first time. Um, but, it, but it's really what, what God has always been doing. Um, you know, the very reason that we have the Bible, the the 66 books that are in the Bible, the, re the reason that we have it um, collected into one volume is because Jesus is alive. Um, it didn't exist as, a, as an Old Testament prior to Jesus' life. It was gathered and, 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 and produced and collected and prayed over because Jesus is alive, that it tells his whole story from, from creation in Genesis all the way to eternity in Revelation. Man, so when we look at the Christian life, sometimes I think that we, um, we, we maybe miss that, that every, every new thing, every, every, every promise, every hope is still found in the living Jesus that we celebrated last week. So how do, how do you move away from Easter? I think, well, the reality is that you never move away from Easter. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a date, and, and it'll hang on our calendar. If you go ahead and scroll, the, the beauty of of, of Smartphone technology, you can scroll immediately right now. In a couple seconds, you'll know what day you're going to celebrate it next year. But it's really the life that we live. It's the hope, the living hope that we live in um, all the time. And, and as we've been talking about the living hope that we, that we see in Jesus' um, time on the cross as, as he was moving towards crucifixion and ultimately resurrection, last week we talked about, out of God's word, really the truth of how Jesus began to talk to his disciples, those closest to him, as a risen Savior. And it's so significant. The, what, what started happening in that room was, was Jesus setting expectations. Now, I don't know what your experience with your relationship with Jesus um, has been like, but maybe it's been like your experiences with other relationships. Maybe they haven't quite been what you have expected. Um, for those of you that are married, um, this may come to a shock to you, but, I, but I, I, all I can do is promise you that it's true. This June, um, Wendy and I will be celebrating our 21st wedding anniversary. If you're like, oh, that's all, don't, don't clap, don't clap. It's really all for her. It's all because of her. She's in kids' church right now. So if you clap, she hears none of it, okay? So just save it and just walk by her later and just <laughs> applaud her efforts because, trust me, it's all grace that I've received. It's all burden what she's received. So, but it, we, 21 years we've been married. We, we dated and were engaged for two years. Not one time in that whole span has she ever yelled at me. Ever. Not even raised her voice. At this point, I am scared to death. Like, I know that she's a nice person, 
But you can't live with something as difficult as me for that length of time and not be teetering on the edge, okay? Like sometimes I'm just kind of like, maybe I should look through her phone more often. Not really. She's, she's amazing. But, I, but, I, it's, but like I assumed, I assumed, man, I mean, because I heard all the jokes as I was growing up, like marriage is just going to be this kind of, you know, you're just going to have a series of arguments. And, and they, haven't, they haven't existed in my relationship with Wendy. It hasn't exactly been what I assumed would happen. Maybe you thought when you got into your relationship with, with the person that you're married to, you thought, you know what, man, like they are going to, t- like I, I'm going to be good because they're going to tell me what they want. And, and then you were met with something like this. I just, I just want you to know what I want. And that blew your mind because you just need to be told what someone wants. You just need to be told what to do. It just seems so simple. I will do it if you just tell me. And, and the person that you love so much is just like, you feel like they're just keeping that a secret, right? Like it's, it's, it's going to just like, you're going to find it one day, right? Man, maybe your relationship with, with a spouse or a friendship or whoever, maybe it hasn't played out exactly what, the way you thought it would. Maybe your relationship with Jesus hasn't played out exactly the way you thought it has. One of the ways um, is, is we're going to be in Matthew 13 in, in this small series that we're going to do. Um, it, starts with, it starts with four descriptions of people that came face-to-face with the gospel. Now, the head-scratcher is you've got four different examples, but constantly through Jesus' teaching. And, and here's, the, here's the beauty of, of really what we're, what we're remembering about even what we talked about last week. When Jesus started talking to his followers as a risen Savior, the charge was always the same. It still is the same. Make disciples. Jesus basically said this. Listen, how, how do you make a disciple? You go back to what I've taught you, and you teach it, and you apply it to life. That's, that's Paul. Like, Paul is fleshing that out, sometimes in real time, sometimes in his past, in all the letters that he wrote. And, and Jesus, basically, he kind of set them on the chart. So we're going to do a little bit of that in this series. We're, we're going to say, okay, to make disciples, let's, let's consider what Jesus had already taught even at the moment that he was standing in that room. And, and he gives these four examples. But, but here's the difficulty. Jesus, in his ministry, Jesus, in his teaching, when he talked about um, being in the, as he would put it, the kingdom of heaven, he only created, he only showed two categories. And we talked about them last week. Either, number one, in the kingdom, you, you, you are in there, you belong to the family of God, you are saved, or you are not. So we have four, and then we have two. So we got to figure out, okay, it's, it's not a clean two and two where we just assume there's a split. So we got to find, where's the split? What is he, who is he talking about? How is he talking about these people? And, and, and as you hear these, this may kind of flesh some things out for you. You may hear in some of these descriptions, you know what, that kind of makes sense of the people that I've been around in my lifetime. Maybe you've seen some people in your journey with Christ. You, you've seen some people come and you've seen some people go. And you, maybe you've seen them walk away from their faith. Maybe you've seen them really, um, really passionate for a season. And then you look around and you go, where, where are they? And, and that's, that's tough to wrestle out. Like, how, what do you do with that? What do you do when you say, okay, what, what's the evidence that somebody's saved? What, what, what are seasons near the Lord and sometimes away from the Lord? As someone is returning, looks. how does that flesh out? Well, in, in this passage, there's some, there's some basics that I believe we can really cling to and some, and some hope, some living hope we can continue to walk in because a relationship with Jesus will come with all of the amazing things that a relationship with Jesus comes with. Your relationship in, will have some nuances that mine won't have and vice versa. 
but it will still be all the same promises, all the same living hope that we walk in. Jesus in Matthew 13, this thing is, is just packed with a certain teaching model called parables. Parables, for some people, you love them. You like taking a story like that, and you like seeing the parts and, and seeing where the application is. And, and for some people, you're just like, no, just give it to me straight. Don't, don't, like, don't give me a, this represents this, or this is like this, or this is compared to this. Like, give it to me as straight as you can. Well, here's, here's, here's some hope when it comes to this kind of teaching. Jesus gives some insight that I want to start with when it comes to this kind of teaching before we really kind of get into the, the, the parable that he, that he started with here in Matthew 13. Um, in verse 10, Jesus says this, Then the disciples came up and asked him, Why are you speaking to them in parables? Parables are stories. They're, they're, they're stories that have people without names. Um, there's, there's always things in parables for you to look at and figure out, okay, wh what part am I in this story? There's always a place to find yourself or others, and sometimes both, in these kind of stories. He said, why are you teaching in parables? He answered, because the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given for you to know, but it has not been given to them. Now, the them are the people that don't belong to the kingdom of heaven, the people that, that, that are really saved, that, that belong to the Lord. Even as Jesus is teaching people who have not come to salvation yet, there's an indication that there's already an indicator here of there will be people, as you hear this and understand it, and it connects deeply with you, that there is a belonging there that is there for some and not for all. Verse 16 says this, Blessed are your eyes because they do see and your ears because they do hear. In other words, when, when you sit under the teaching of the word, when, when Dale read the scripture that he read during worship, and he goes into an explanation of it, and he talked about how the, the, the struggle with sin has, has always been, it's, it's not a new creation for us. But he talks about the hope that there exists in Jesus. When, when you hear scripture like that, even just in a moment, and, and that connects deeply, that's a reflection of what Jesus was telling them. There is grace and mercy just in going, okay, this connects with me. There must be a reason this connects with me. And, and it does because you're in a relationship with Jesus. Relationship talk affects you, connects with you. It lands differently. It, it, the proof is this. Sometimes I preach a message, and I wonder when I get off stage, did, did, I, did I, Lord, was, was, was I faithful in really showing how this applies to life? And I have a, and I, maybe I just have a collection of three conversations, but in all three of those conversations, it's, it's a uniqueness to it where the Lord is active, the Word is alive and, and effective in their life. We've talked about that even recently, and, and, and there's a real connection there. That means that relational talk is happening in your soul. That in itself, as Jesus says here, is affirmation that you belong to him. It's affirmation. Now, does that mean that we always get on board quickly with relational talk? No, it doesn't. Sometimes we really struggle with it. Sometimes we go, ah, that is not what I want to do. But, uh, but in our soul, we're anchored to the truth. Um, when, when we, just over this last week, um, we were sitting out one morning outside, and um, I, I walked outside on the little patio, and, and Wendy was finishing um, her devotion, and, and just we kind of got into conversation about some things that we had both kind of been studying recently, and, and we both kind of actually came to the same point in the conversation where we, we, we kind of had a shared struggle with a couple of things. And, and even that, 
there, there, was, there was evidence that a relationship with Jesus exists because it was, man, I, just, I know that this is truth, but I'm really having a hard time really face-to-face where, I, where I'm at on this. So there's, there's hope just in that. Now, when it comes to parables, I want to give you a few kind of tips and pointers and, and one kind of definition that maybe will, helpful, will be helpful while we're in Matthew 13 for a few weeks. Um, first of all, this, this is kind of a, um, and, and again, I, these are vacation slides, so while they might be pretty, they are not thorough enough. There's a few things that I, on, a, on an intro Sunday like this, I normally would like to put on there. It's kind of some bullet points, so I'm going to give you a few things that aren't on there. Um, so when it comes to parables, here's three recommendations that I would make to you um, while we're in Matthew chapter 13 and even outside of this, okay? So three recommendations when it comes to parables. Um, number one, um, listen from the hearer's perspective. Jesus is teaching a specific group of people whenever he teaches a parable. Um, and, and Jesus communicates in a perfect way. So he is taking into consideration um, the audience, just like you or I would, depending on what environment you're in. You speak differently at work than you speak at home. If you're talking to your kids that are five, you speak differently to them than you do the ones that are 15. Um, and, and Jesus is doing that. So, so really get into the listener's perspective. Um, the second is this. Learn the main idea and what the details represent. There's always parts and people in a parable. And, and start to really kind of you know, like journal those out and make sure that you're clear on all right, what do these things represent. Um, and the final one is this. Um, let the truth of the parable shape your context. Many times with a parable, it's, about, it's, it's as much about the way we think as it is how we act. So when you, when you listen and you read a parable from Jesus, this is, this is really getting into the functional part of really even how your mind works. And, and if your brain works right, you won't have to worry near as much about the words that you say and the actions that you take or you make. Now, um, in, in Matthew 13 specifically, Jesus talks a lot about, um, what the, the, and this is the phrase he uses, the kingdom of heaven. Now, I want to define that for you um, because in this first part, this is, the, this is the only parable that he really doesn't start out the kingdom of heaven is like or the kingdom of heaven can be compared to. Because that tells us everything in this first one isn't the kingdom of heaven. In other words, all of these people he's talking about don't belong in the kingdom of heaven. Okay, Kingdom of heaven, defining it in a pretty functional way. The redemptive, redemptive rule and reign of God through Jesus Christ. In other words, the kingdom of heaven is everything that God is redeeming through Jesus. Um, we, were, we all are born into a sinful world. So, so you and I are people that he's redeeming. He's trying to bring us back to him. He's working us back to him. He's changing us to really have the thoughts and the lives that we were intended to have in Christ. But because of sin, we were taken away from that. Um, he's ultimately redeeming this whole planet to himself. Um, eternity won't look like, and embrace yourself, brown summit. It, it won't. It won't look like Summerfield. It won't look like Greensboro. It, it will be a perfect creation restored and redeemed to Jesus and for Jesus and for his glory that we will experience as Christians. So that is the kingdom. All those are things that are the kingdom of heaven. All right, so let's dive in here. This is, um, this, is this, this parable, and it, there's a few parts, just real quick. Um, number one, there's the sower, there's the seed, and then there's the soil. 
sower seed and soil. I don't know if the, the, it's supposed to all start with S's because this wasn't written in English, but that for us, hopefully it's easier to remember. The sower here um, most likely really is, um, is God doing this work. Um, he, he's up to spreading this seed, which is the gospel. It represents the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news about Jesus and, and, and the truth about him. The soil um, are, are really the hearts of people. That's the variable in the story. That's, that's, that, that's what changes. It's the same God, it's the same gospel, but, but it, is, it, is, it is different hearts that it lands in. And how they receive it and what happens with the gospel ultimately shows us um, really which category, which of those two categories these four land in. So on these slides, what we're going to do is that this, this parable kind of happens in two parts. There's a parable as he gives it, and then he also, because of their questions, he comes back and specifically explains it. So on these slides, you'll see Jesus' initial statement about this particular sower, seed, and soil, and then you'll see his explanation on the bottom part of the slide. So we'll hit these kind of one by one instead of do all the first part and then all the second part. Okay, so here's, here's, here's where we'll get started. Verse 1, on that day Jesus went out um, of the house and was sitting by the sea. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and he sat down while the whole crowd stood on the shore. He did this for acoustics, not because he was like, hey, what do you do when people crowd around you? Get on a boat. Like That's not, that's not, that's not a gospel principle, even though it may help you sometimes with your stress level. All right, he did this for an acoustical issue with teaching. Um, it says, then he told them many things in parables, saying, consider the sower who went out to sow, and he sowed some seed that fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Here's the explanation. So listen to the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word about the kingdom and doesn't understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. So one of the things that we need to understand is if we're going to understand their perspective, um, this would have made really clear sense to the people in the audience. They would have understood that a common practice for a farmer was to walk on these um, stone paths that divided their field. And just by throwing seed out with their hands, um, they would throw seed out and it would land in a whole lot of places. It would even land on the path that they were walking in. Now, the path was obviously not where he thought crops would grow, but because he's throwing the seed out by hand, it, it was going to land. Some of it was going to land in there. And Jesus acknowledges where some of it lands. And, and it says, basically, in this passage, that this is a person with really a hard heart. It's a person um, that, that hears the gospel, but it, but it stays so much outside of them that, that growth never happens at all. Um, if you notice, um, the, the seed was so easy for birds to get because it was on, it was on the surface. It couldn't penetrate. The heart was hard. It, it, it didn't want to receive the gospel. Maybe you've had situations like this. I remember, I remember being on a missions trip with um, a group of high schoolers that I took to a, to a, a small town near the beach one summer. Um, and we did a, uh, a VBS in, in this um, mobile home park that was down there in Georgetown. And um, as we went around and we were canvassing, um, there was one door that, I mean, this person was not home 
home at all. We, we went in the evening, we went in the mornings, we went in the afternoons, kind of making sure that people knew this was going on. We could not catch these people at home. Well, finally, like two days into this vacation Bible school, we finally see a car there. So myself and a couple students, we go over there, and I am pumped. I'm like, man, this is going to be awesome. They're finally here. These students are going to really get to see somebody that we've been after, and they're going to get the invitation, and they're going to be excited, of course, as much as we are that we're here. And they're just going to, like, leap out, throw their children at us, and, and just, just it's going to be like, you know, K-Love is just going to be beaming from the windows automatically, right? We get there, knock on the door, and the door opens, and I, I don't even get a word in my mouth. This lady just looks at me, she, no, no. Ma'am, I, of course, this is a misunderstanding. You, you clearly think I'm here selling something. I'm, I'm not, I just want to let you know, no, no, no. Ma'am, but we're, you know, I, see, I see you've got toys around the house here, just, you know, some stuff outside. We're doing a vacation pop. No. Boom. Oh, okay. That was fun. And I turn around and look at a couple high schoolers that are just like, that, really, that's how this stuff works? And, and, and I'm not saying that that person even really heard in us the gospel, but, but you see where I'm going? This, the, the, the picture here is there's such a hardness that there's no reception. And maybe you've seen that happen. You've seen somebody just be that cold to the gospel. They believe and they feel and they assume so differently than you that you almost don't know what to do because nothing seems to be getting inside. Verse 5, it says, Other seed fell on, fell on rocky ground where it didn't have much soil and it grew up quickly since the soil wasn't deep. But when the sun came up, it was scorched and since it had no root, it withered away. And the one, and this is Jesus' explanation, and the one sown on rocky ground, this is one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. But he has no root and is short-lived when distress or persecution comes because of the word, immediately he falls away. This is the superficial heart. Um, maybe you haven't experienced, because of the family you've been in, or the, the, the city that you lived in, or the community that you keep, or the social um, environments that you place yourself in, maybe you don't interact with many people who are just so hard of the gospel that they just don't want to hear anything. But, but this one might start to sound a little bit more familiar. See, the, the picture of this plant is, is that there wasn't enough soil for it to really reach down and form roots and, and, and be able to draw what it needed. So what did that plant do? It grew up quick because it needed, it, it needed sunlight, it needed water, it needed some things. So it couldn't get it deep, so it reached in a different direction. And, and that's what a superficial heart does when it comes to the gospel. At, at the first listen, there was excitement. Maybe you've seen people in your life where, where you've seen, man, like, like they heard a gospel, they, they, they prayed a prayer, like they, they were in the number that was reported, and, and they seemed like there was excitement, there was, there was some genuine response, I mean, they, like they, they grabbed the response card, and they filled it out really fast, and man, they were there like every single service for a while, and then maybe in their life, because really there was no relationship with the Lord. There, there was a response. There was a profession of faith. But there was no real relationship with the Lord. So, so what did they do? They started reaching for the things that their life needed in directions that weren't Jesus. And because there wasn't roots there. Because the, the, the storms are going to happen to all of us. But they didn't have roots in the gospel deep enough that they could hold on. So anything that really opposed them, 
because they were just out looking for what they needed in other relationships or in jobs or in whatever. Like they were looking for those, the, the resources of life or wherever they could find them. The, the first big set of problems, they didn't last any time. And they were gone. And, and you looked around going, what, man, what, what happened? They were, they were so prominent for that one year, that two years in our church or our faith community or, or our Bible study or, or you just saw it from them on social media, whatever, and then it just gone. And, it, and it's not even just like that their presence sitting there, but it's, it's just the, that there's no hope there. Like the, the tone of their voice and their comments are totally different than they used to be. There's an initial response, but no roots. Um, that's the second example. The third is this, and, and, and the third is honestly, this is when, when you're dealing with people, when, when, when you know yourself that you belong to the Lord and you're growing, this, this third one may be one of the most difficult to really deal with and wrestle with. It says, other seed fell among thorns. This is verse 7. And the thorns came up and choked it. Here's Jesus' explanation. Now the one sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the worries, or your translation may say the cares of this age and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. I've heard this many times described as the divided heart. This is the heart that hears the truth, but really there's no room for it. There, there's, a, there's a competition for loyalty, for lordship, for, for really their desires and what they pursue. And this one's tough because you, you go, hey, like there, there's, there's a little bit more response here. Their fadeaway didn't happen so quickly. But, but really, what was, what was the competition? Because here, here's the thing that, that's so important to know that the audience would have understood. When, when they heard choked out by thorns, maybe you assume that that happened really fast. That process in this field that this farmer was throwing seed into, that process of being choked out would have been really gradual. It would, have been a, it would have been a slow death, a slow squeeze out of life. And, and maybe it looks like this. Maybe, maybe you, you've seen someone and, and they've come in and, and the responsiveness to, and I think we, we, I think we forget sometimes. Maybe we don't give God enough credit. The goodness of God, the holiness of God, the creative power of God, all of those huge but basic principles of God, all of those things are enough to draw almost anyone for a season. I mean, think about it. If, if you just found out the most devastating news of your life and just the idea of a God that could do something exists in your brain, you, you, would, you would at least turn and give it a look, right? And, 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 and many do. But the things, and, and sometimes this is the way I kind of I, I read verses like this in my own mind. Um, when, I, when I read a statement like the worries of this age or the worries of the world or the cares of the world, I also in my mind read it this way. Um, the Bible's talking right here to me about what the world cares about. When we read this passage, I think sometimes we think, okay, that's just somebody that legitimately, man, we, we have a heart for them. Like, man, like you just must have fell into some bad situations and just kind of had your hope squeezed out of you. No, no, th this could be somebody who's in what they think in the middle of the best season of their life. If somebody, maybe through a season, they come into a church and they're like, man, yeah, this, like, the love of God is great and like this community is wonderful. The people that I'm around, like I connect with, but here's the problem. That can just be social. 
But then they get involved in something, especially something maybe like outreach or something like that, and they want to do stuff for people that they feel are less fortunate than them. And, and that's great, but, but that's, that's social work if it's not really anchored in the gospel. Well, those two things alone are enough to hold somebody for a fairly long season in life before maybe they just decide that there are priorities and there's ways that they can spend their time and there's things that really look good that they can go all in on. And really what happens is it's not just about walking away from church, but it's, it's really you, you arrive at a point where, I mean, like when's the last time that you really even expose yourself to God's word, even like really consider, okay, this is the truth that I'm supposed to base my life on. The decisions that we make are really based on everything but seeking the Lord. It's just the stuff that makes sense for us. This is what's best for us. And really what, not what the Lord is really walking us into and helping us through. At the end of these three, the results are the same. There's no life. As we just celebrated with Easter, where there's life in Jesus, there's hope. Well, this fourth example is the one that we can say with absolute certainty, this is the kingdom. And when I say this is the one we can say with certainty, I just, quite honestly, not just as a pastor, but as a Christian, I have a tough time with number three because I see in myself when I wrestle with cares and worries that are not Jesus-based. I see the struggle that I have in my life when I dive deep into wanting to control things. And I always want to assume the Lord is patient with me and there's going to be a return story to that. But there also is going to be a question there until I draw close to the Lord. If you are looking for a place to walk safely, we're getting ready to talk about it. If you say, I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to exist in three for a while, I, I don't know how to give you hope, like living hope. I don't know how to counsel you through. You're, you can have assurance in your soul that you're saved because even if you know that you're not close to the Lord right now, but you feel drawn to Him, that is so much more like the fourth than the third. And here's what it says about the fourth. Verse 8, it says, Still another seed fell on good ground, and produce fruit, some a hundred, some sixty, and some thirty times what was sown. And here's Jesus' explanation of that, that scenario. It says, but the one sown on the good ground, this is the one who hears and understands the word, who does produce fruit and yields some a hundred, some sixty, some thirty times what was sown. Now, this, this is what's interesting. Um, again, let, let's put our, ourselves in the mind of the audience they knew not just what the farmer looked like walking down the stone path, throwing out seed and it landing in all these different type areas. The place where the thorns were growing up, the, the rocky path, um, place where there was really shallow soil and, and plants would reach up for other sources. He knew where the good soil, like they knew what that looked like. But they also knew this. When that farmer walked that path and threw seed out, the best that that farmer could ever hope for in return on his crop was about 10 to 20 times the seed that he threw out. That is the most profitable, successful farmer 
who everybody would want to come to and find, find out, how are you doing things? Because my field doesn't look like your field. They would have heard 10 to 20 times, and they would have thought, that joker is not just good at what he does, he is making money. He is going to retire well. And, and notice, what did Jesus say? He, he did say, yeah, the fruit in our life is going to look different. But his minimum was 30. His minimum was, was still a third more than, than the most prosperous farmer could ever achieve himself. What does that tell us? That a life of a Jesus follower won't just find success in their own gifts and talents. That, that if you really walk closely with Jesus, there will be seasons where you will see stuff and you will see evidence and you will go, this could not have been me. Like our relationship is at a place that is beyond what I have natural relational ability in my marriage. This is the grace of God doing this through me. You will have conversations and you will share your faith and you will see things. I'm not talking about you'll see success financially. I'm talking about you will see God-sized results in your life when you realize that what you brought to the table just simply wouldn't have produced that. And, and, and I'm just telling you, like if, like if you haven't noticed that, Number one, it's if, if you know that you're a Christian and you just haven't noticed it, you need to take some quiet and alone time. You need to get still and quiet and really start to look at what God's done in your life because you are missing some major hope to rejoice and praise. Because it, it just exists for every Christian. But it will vary. It will look different. So well, how, what do you mean it looks different? Well, Again, I, I told you at the beginning of the sermon that, that there's not been a season in life where I've ever dealt with, with, with Wendy yelling at me. Okay, so when it comes to the way that we respond to things, Wendy's nature is pretty calm. So if something, if something hits the fan at the house and she answers it calmly, that, that's not a big, big deal for her necessarily. But if I handle it calmly... That is for sure a work of the Holy Spirit inside of me, through me, around me, all over me. And so it's like, man, there's evidence of fruit right there, but it may not be as obvious in her. You may have really learned this early in your Christian life, so you have years and years and decades maybe in the game, skin in the game that some other Christians haven't experienced and maybe they really came to this maturing in Christ later in life. So there's just a decade or two that you got on them. And maybe that's the difference between 60 and 100. Yes, there is some difference, but there's always what the Lord is doing. And, and just a few references. Um, Matthew 7, Jesus had already been teaching about this in his ministry. In fact, Matthew had already really been inspired to write about this. Jesus says this in Matthew 7. He says, you'll recognize them by their fruit. All grapes gathered, uh, are grapes gra gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles. In the same way, every good tree produces good fruit, but a bad tree produces um, bad fruit. Um, if you really look at your life. Now, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to caution you. What, what's, a, what's, a, what's a safe fruit exploration method for you as a Christian? Well, sometimes if you look at specific situations, you'll see bad fruit. And on a good tree, every piece of fruit on there may not be perfect. Man, I used to... Get... <laughs> my, my grandparents um, had pear trees at one part of their property. 
And uh, some of the pears wouldn't grow in well, and, and, and they would kind of die on the tree, and they would fall. Um, and the ones that fell on the ground, um, I would go by and I'd pick up, and I would just see how far I could throw them because my grandfather had a garden across the road from his property. So I always wanted to see if I could clear the whole garden just throwing out there. He used to whip me for just like throwing his pears. I'm like, they're the, they're the horrible ones on the ground, like your fingers were pushing through them. But, but here's the thing, e- even, even when I got punished for doing something that really I didn't think was that wrong, I, I never went to the bottom of that tree and found an apple. It was always pears because it was a pear tree. When we're Christians, the, it, there will be some struggles sometimes when we look at our life and go, okay, I, I do see evidence of, of, some, of some difficult things or some bad reactions. Okay, you may. So let's take a step back and look at a few more branches. Because if you just look at this one branch in this one moment, this small little area, could there be a damaged piece of fruit on there? Yes. Okay, step back and look at the whole branch. Sometimes we need to step back and look at the whole tree. Or maybe the orchard. <laughs> right? we got to look and say, okay, like, Lord, where, what's the evidence that, that what's coming out of me matches who Jesus is? Paul fleshed it out um, this way in Galatians 5, through 26. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The law is not against such things. Now those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. So, so how, how should we see the tree of our life. Um, the, 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 the fruit ought to be getting better. It ought to be getting healthier because Jesus is in the process of making us healthier because he's in the process of making us more like him and less like us and our nature. Um, verse 9 is actually the conclusion to Jesus' um, time giving the parable. Um, it's not the conclusion of his explaining it, it's the conclusion of his, his giving of it. And I think it's so important because this is the final statement that he makes giving this parable. The teaching moment. Not the explanation, the teaching. He says this in verse 9. Let anyone who has ears listen. So what, what, what do we do with this lesson that Jesus gives us? If, if, you, if you hear God speak to you directly out of the time you spend in his word, you should be, if you're a believer. That's, that's, not, a, that's not a suggestion. That's, that's really a must for us. You hear a sermon. You hear God's word shared. You hear him speak. It's simple application. When you hear it, and now, now that here isn't just, okay, I, I noticed the noise. Um, this past week we were at the beach and it was, it was, it was funny because I, I'm, I'm looking at my, my getting ready to graduate son. And, and there's a family that's near us that has kids the age that I remember and wake up in the morning thinking mine still are. And I'm watching them just walk and, and, and adjust their posture behind these kids because the kid is guiding it like the kid's just seeing everything, right? And it's and, and, and I, hear, I hear those kids squeal and laugh and cry. I hear it, 
but they're not mine, so I don't respond. I don't jump out of my chair the way I used to when they, when mine were that age. So if we hear and it connects with us, because it's 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 our relation, it's my relationship. What are we supposed to do? Listen, take it in, and let it have the effect that it's supposed to have. I can't tell you how to flesh out option three with people that are in your lives perfectly. Because it's, it's, it's maybe the most unsafe territory. Do you know people, and you may know people, that are um, that they're struggling? They, they, they seem to be more absorbed in something that's not Jesus than they used to be. It may be because they're wondering. It may be because there never has been a real relationship there. So, so in, in hearing that, what, what, what do we do, those of us that, that, that see fruit, see evidence of a real relationship, we're not saying this isn't a better, it's a, it's, it's, it's a reality, it's an identity. What, what, what do we do? Be in rhythm with the sower, with the Lord. Throw seed out. The gospel, the gospel, the gospel. The hope in Jesus. The call of the gospel to closeness. Continue to bring that into their life. Because it's God who is working the ground. And their ground may change in a season. And it may be ready in a way that it hasn't been ready before. And God may be using you, using me in that way. The sure ground is, is number four. And it reminds us of one simple statement. When we think about a relationship with the Lord, perseverance is much safer than profession. So what does that mean? There will be people in your lifetime that you'll talk to and, and, and their one hanging moment is there was this prayer that I was told to pray and I prayed it. I made this profession of faith. I, I've said, I prayed, I did something. And, and very likely they did. That's a profession of faith. But a relationship isn't just about the beginning. It's about the journey of that relationship. The perseverance. Sticking in when it's not the easiest, just like in any relationship. Accepting love and forgiveness from the Lord when we don't deserve it, like in a lot of relational moments. Learning and growing to be more like Christ, like we do in a lot of other relationships. But there's, there's four clear examples, and all four of these look different. Um, there's this thing about being a pastor, and I, I don't really know how to explain it. It's just weird. Um, you get asked to say the blessing a lot. I mean a lot. A lot. Because when you're in a room, people look at you. It's like, oh, that's who you are. Uh, pray for our food. And, and there's this thing sometimes, and, and I, I think, I know uh, Dale's on staff here, I, th I think Dale would attest to this too, that um, maybe you say things publicly or you do something, and there's this kind of, like, they just attribute it to being a pastor. Like, it's just like, you know what, yep, like, it's okay, like, you're not like us, or you're not like them, or you're not, like, you're different, and it, you're a pastor, 
And, and, and honestly, it, it almost worries me about myself sometimes. Would I be a Christian in that moment if I wasn't accountable to that job title? Because just being accountable to that job title, that's weak. That's, that's going, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm the designated driver, so I'm not going to get drunk tonight. Well, so was the right thing to get drunk tonight? Like, it, well, but it, I, like I'm the only one. I have to stay sober. So I'm not going to, like, so what's your decision-making there? Like, would you, would you get drunk otherwise? Would you, would you give away your decision-making otherwise? Does that make sense? And, and the thing is, I, like, I worry about myself and about what I show my kids. Like, are, are, are they, um, my oldest son came up here last night. Poor kid. Whoever left the gum under the chair last week, uh, Connor found it with his hand. It was disgusting. And, and, and he was up here with me last night helping, and he was, but I, but I look at him and go, okay, would, would you, in, in six or seven years, would you just come up and, and just serve and just do something at, at your church, wherever your church is going to be? Like, will you just do that because it, it's your Christian service, or is this really connected to your dad has a job? Because here's the thing. Being a Christian will look different Jesus said, a third more fruit than you could ever produce yourself. At a minimum, your life will look different. Are you okay with that? Because we tell everybody that's over here right now, and we tell every middle schooler that's behind those doors, hey, it is okay to look different. It is okay to make decisions and have conversations and do relationships differently and do finances differently because you belong to Jesus. Are we buying it between the doors? Like when, when people look at you and look at me this week, in our soul, are we, are we content? Are we okay? Going, I, I just, I'm, I'm, going, I'm going for on this one. I'm going to really listen to Jesus, and I'm going to, I'm going to go through some, some really challenging growth seasons, and I want, I want to produce fruit that others can see. As Jesus says, see your good works and give glory to the Father for what we do. Are we okay with that? Not because uh, he's the pastor, but because Jesus is alive. Would you bow your heads for just a second? That question in itself is, I, I, I think, I hope, I prayed over that question because it's not a specific verse of Scripture that's in this passage. I've really prayed over that, that question. I, I, I really feel like that question is appropriate based on this passage that we've been in today. Because, because... The life of a Jesus follower Really, Him redeeming us and changing us, bringing us close to Him and reigning over our lives, that's going to create a uniqueness to us, a unique look about us that will be, by design, noticeable. And I think even in between these doors, 
we need to acknowledge that we struggle with how we're perceived, how we're thought of, how we look, how we're accepted by a lot of people who never died for us, will never hold our salvation, will never be as intimate with us in the moments that we need it as desperately, not as forgiving, not as hopeful, not as present as Jesus. He is going to teach us in these lessons much the way we flesh out living hope. How we give it to the people that are categories one through three, how we live in it if we're category four. thank you so much for your grace thank you for what you've spoken this morning help us God in the hearing and receiving of your word to know Lord if God when your word connects with us that is evidence that we belong to you when we hear it and understand it that's further evidence that we belong to you it is a gift God in your mercy and grace and in your love because it helps us to understand you and to and to live in a way that, that, that shows Jesus you more. So God, help us to find hope in that. So as we do the work of fleshing this out and understanding the, the lesson taught in this passage, Lord, help us to not find security in anything in a relationship, Lord, in, in a relational beginning with you, a prayer pray to carpet. Lord, help us to not find assurance in something that we've done, but Lord, help us to really fully rely on the work of Jesus, that his death on the cross was enough that satisfied, God, your payment that was due for sin. That, Lord, the, 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 the living hope that we have in Jesus' resurrection gives us every hope that we need and assurance that we need. Lord, as we know that we belong to you, God, that we have life new in you, that we don't have to live, um, Lord, for the sin and the flesh desires that we've always lived for, that we can live differently and not hope for a destiny in heaven, God, to rescue everything, but Lord, to live rescued now. Lord, help us be about the business of, of, of really spreading this gospel, sharing it, um, speaking it, living it this week into the lives of people that are lost clearly, hard-hearted, but also, God, to people that we just, we just don't know where they stand. Lord, help us to have compassion for all. But Lord, help us to have commitment for our own life with you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Would you stand to your feet? Um, as we go into this last song, if you would like to pray over something, we'd love to pray with you. We'd love to talk with you, connect with you after this service.